Hey everyone and welcome to the MOP Voice. I'm Eliazar. And I'm Dacia. And today we are so excited to have a special guest with us. We have Pastor Alex Aguila here for this episode. He currently resides in Los Angeles and he is the pastor along with his wonderful wife, Sister Jackie at Rock Church. He has two children, Levi and Lexi. And we're just so honored to have him here. Why don't you take a moment to greet our listeners? Amen. Praise the Lord, everyone. It's such an honor, such a privilege to be on with you guys and to be able to share just a little bit of what, what the Lord has given us for, for this time, for this season. And uh, I'm blessed to be with Sister Dacia and Brother Eliasad and the MOP team that is, is present. Amen. Thank you for joining us. So today, Pastor Alex, we're going to be talking about a conversation regarding the subject of holiness. And I feel like this is such a pertinent topic, especially in this day and age. Uh, and when we think about Jesus and all of the characteristics that he emulates, we can think about his love, his mercy, his grace, but there's just no way we can leave out holiness. And so today I want to go ahead and ask you, how essential is holiness, especially when it comes to connecting us to the salvation of Jesus Christ? I think salvation is the glue that puts everything together. Um, holiness cannot be absent when it comes to salvation. Salvation has and always will become from God's holiness itself. And so when you look at the scripture in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, it says, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Now there's two aspects to that text that we always must consider. The first one, it starts off, and let me say this, the writer of Hebrews doesn't have there's no authorship actually attributed to the author of Hebrews. Right. Some say it's possibly Paul. Right? Because of the way it was written, Paul wrote 13 letters in the New Testament. Possibly this is the 14th. We don't know that for a fact. But there's two aspects to this verse. Follow peace with all men. So God's looking for two things when it comes to holiness. The first one is that we have peace with amongst each other. Mm -hmm. Yes, That men and women have peace, that the church is at peace. But holiness is only from God. It's not something that we can develop amongst each other, but rather holiness is only a, th is a thing between us and God. It's personalized. Mm. It's right. tailored to us specifically. And so when I consider holiness as a salvation matter, you can't stay saved without it. Right. You can get saved by it, mm -hmm. but you can't stay saved without it. That's good. So we need holiness to keep us because without the holiness, you don't have peace with men. That's why they, it's, it's kind of like, a, I would say, I would consider this possibly even a paradox to some degree that you can't have one without the other. Yes. They work hand in hand. Peace and holiness can't exist without each other. You can't live in holiness and be at chaos. Mm. And you can't have peace and not have holiness within the context of spirituality. Right. Now, maybe in natural terms, it might work a little bit, but spiritually, that doesn't work. Mm. I, till this day, I don't know somebody who has chaos in their life and has this brilliant holiness that they live. Wow. It just doesn't really work. Yeah. It has to work hand in hand. Yes, Pastor Alex, can you define for our listeners what is holiness? Holiness is the act of separation from the things of the world or worldliness and a connection to God. Mm -hmm. It's similar to um, intercessory prayer. 
Sister Dacia and I can get into intercessory prayer because we've discussed this before. But intercessory prayer does two things. It goes into the pits of hell and it takes back yes. what the enemy has stolen. And then that very same act then gets translated into going into heaven and delivering what we took from hell yes. back mm. to God. Wow. That's intercession. So holiness works just very similar in mm. that sense. That you take the worldliness out of yourself and you give yourself to God mm. to completely separate from the worldliness of the flesh. That's holiness. Because the reality is that we live in a time where holiness is practically non-existent unless you're part of the body, mm. right? Because there's so much worldliness now. Oh, yeah. Mm. Over, I mean, way more than before. I, mm. we're, I was just sitting... Um, with somebody talking recently about this and we were talking about how the church 10 years ago is a completely different church than what it is today. That the things that we considered wrong 10 years ago mm. are acceptable today. And that is maybe a watered down type of holiness that some have accepted for the time that we're living in. Um, the things that we allow, the things that we accept into our lives. I mean, the Bible speaks of our eyes and, and the, the windows into our souls and the things that we see, the things that we hear, are affecting our separation from God. That, that's how I look at it right now. Absolutely. And I want to touch on something that you mentioned. You mentioned the word separation. And I feel like a lot of times, sometimes we get a little like mm -hmm. uncomfortable with that word separation. But even when God created light in the book of Genesis, this blew my mind until I went back and I read it recently. God created the light, but he had nothing to do with the darkness. The darkness was already there. But you know what? It says that when God saw that the light was good, he separated it from the darkness. So if God will be so intentional that even in creation, he separated light from darkness, how much more his children, that when he was creating everything from day one through six, he saw that it was good, but then he created man and saw that it was very good. If he, with what was just good, he separated, how much more does he want separation with what was very good? And that's me and you and the humanity he created. Right. You know, it's interesting that you bring up the book of Genesis because you just talked about the light and darkness. And he saw that it was good and, and, and he, he blessed everything. But then something happened eight chapters later in Genesis 8 when Noah begins to build an ark and he begins to tell the people, Hey, there's something's coming. A flood's coming. I got to build an ark. He looked crazy, but there's God about to do something. And, and, and I, when I look at what happened in the days of Noah and the flood began, the rains began, the ark doors closed. They were in the ark, him and his family, the animals were all in there. The Lord then sanctifies the earth. Mm. He separated them from worldliness, put them in a place of protection, of safety. And then when we think of baptism, right? We, we, when we're talking about salvation and holiness. When we think of baptism, we just think of us going into the water. We just think of a soul going into the water. But God was intentional in bringing holiness again to earth by baptizing the earth with the flood. Wow. Right. Huh. So he brought holiness again by destroying evil, putting mm. it under what we call the blood, mm. 
by baptizing the earth with the flood because nobody no one was left wow after the flood animals perished people perished mm-hmm. and what's interesting about that particular story was that there was only one thing left outside of the ark because what happens before noah steps out right it's all about holiness yeah. what happens is the bible says that he releases a um a raven and ravens will always go after dead things, worldliness, filth, right? But then the raven didn't come back because of that, because he found carcasses on the earth that he's probably feasting off of. And the raven was in the ark with him. Mm-hmm. But then the Bible says that he releases a dove. Yes. And the dove comes back. Yeah. But he comes back with nothing. Mm-hmm. And so the Bible says that Noah spent seven days with the dove again in the ark before he released it again. He released it. That's, that's God's perfection, right? <laughs> yes. Coming into play. Uh-huh. So God then re- uh, Noah then releases the dove again. But this time we would think, well, he didn't really bring much back. But he did. In his beak, he had an olive leaf branch. Mm. And an olive leaf, obviously, right? What's, what made it? through the storms of the flood, what made it th- during such a, a, a just turbulence and, and evil was the anointing. Wow. Yes. God's holiness, God's yes. power survived a deadly time. Mm. Holiness will always survive. Wow. What God then destroys. I mean, you have to really look at it from like the eyes of like God, when you consider holiness, if a church is holy, it doesn't matter what, happens around it doesn't matter the storms it's going to confront doesn't matter with things holiness will always withstand wow what surrounds us amen and i'm thinking about that example you just mentioned that god baptized the earth so it's so amazing because before god requires his people to do anything he will first be the example of it i even think about jesus getting baptized He was the holiest human to ever come to the face of the earth. If there was anyone that you would quote unquote say, you don't need that. It was him. He was without sin, but he did it for the emulation, what what it represented. And he let John the Baptist baptize him, but he was the first example of everything he requires of us. So in that sense, if God is requiring of us to be holy and we want to be more like God, he is the ultimate example that has already set the foundation of the model we can look to. Yeah. Amen. You know, it's, it's interesting that you bring up Jesus' baptism because that one, like if we really look deep into it, Everything in the new is connected to the old, obviously. And so Jesus is now baptized. Obviously, he didn't have sin because he's God. But what happened after his baptism was what was powerful. The Bible says that the heavens opened up, a dove mm-hmm. descends, right? So it was his induction into the priesthood of the time. And so for him to be baptized at the age that he was, he was going right into the priesthood because to be a priest, you need to be 30 years old, which is a covenant of the Old Testament of the law. And so now he's going into the priesthood, but he's baptized because of what's next. Mm. He's baptized because of the people he needed to touch. And so obviously it wasn't for remission of sins. It was to the induction of the priesthood Mm. and to the emulation for us to follow at one point. But it was twofold because now he's baptized because he's teaching us something, obviously about obedience. But he's also showing us that if I'm baptized, I become a priest now. And Mm. I can spend three and a half years 
preaching the gospel of what's to come. And if we don't see holiness in that, like I, wow. I think about God and I think about him like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to submit to my word. Think about that. Mm. If he, if we, if we have to submit to his word, it's because he submitted to yes. his word. Uh-huh. Right. And, and I believe that holiness has so much more to do than, and, and I'm probably going to go a little forward now in, in, in where, what we're talking about, but holiness is something that we are and not something that we do. Mm-hmm. Touch on a little bit about that. Okay. So we can talk about like um, legalism from that, that topic. Yeah. Because I think sometimes people will do, will have their holy check marks. Mm. Yes. Right? Checks and balances. I went to church. Mm. I'm holy now. I gave my tithes and I gave it just a little more. Check mark. I have a life group. Check mark. And we consider that to be our holy checklist. But holiness is not that. If that is your holiness, that's legalism. Mm-hmm. Because you're checking off a box. Holiness is who we are. Be right. holy, for I, I am holy. holy. It's a being. It's not a doing. Yes. If I do, it's a result of being. If that makes sense. Yes. Right? So I'm holy because he's holy. And he's holy because he is God. And if we can look back at, like, let's say John... One, one. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And we see in verse 14 of that very same chapter, and that word became flesh, and it dwelt among us, and we saw its glory, glory. And so we understand that holiness is not something that occurred for the early church. Holiness is something that always existed. It was just the way it was presented that was different. So you look at the Old Testament, and, and I mean, tooth for tooth, eye for eye, right? Like that's how people paid back their sin. Mm-hmm. You know, there was, there was a result of their sin. So in the new Testament, we don't always consider those things, but there's a law of grace, right? Without peace and without holiness, no one shall see the Lord. And so I look at holiness and I believe that unfortunately, if I look the part, I'm holy. Mm. If I talk the part, I'm holy. If I preach the part, because there's no preacher exempt. There's nobody that sits in the pew that's exempt. Everybody has to pursue holiness. Right. Sadly, sometimes holiness becomes a legalistic matter. Yes. Right. And we then try to apply it to new people in the church, Mm. the unchurched. We try to apply it to people who don't quite get who we are and why we are the way that we are. Mm-hmm. I've seen it where somebody would come into the church and somebody would try to change their appearance. Mm-hmm. Somebody would try to change the way they look, maybe try to slap a veil on them. If it's a woman, a man, you try to you know shift certain things out of them. But holiness is something that happens from God, not from man. Yes. Right? I look at I look at holiness from a perspective of my relationship with God. Holiness is not something, though we preach holiness and we can teach holiness, we're talking about it right now, people can't be holy until they have a relationship with God. Exactly. Holiness derives from that, stems from that. It doesn't stem from just what I think or a certain value system that was in place in a church or the church, but really it stems from God and his word. 
And so what do we do as a church? How, how, do we, how do we accomplish holiness in the church? Well, we lead people to prayer. Yes. We lead people to consecration. We lead people to the word. We lead people to, Paul said, right, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Well, what are we imitating from Paul? What are we living? We're imitating a life of holiness. We're imitating a life that's um, of apostleship, that goes, that preaches the gospel, that, 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 that prays for the sick and they heal, they, that we pray for the, the people who are possessed and they're delivered. That is a sign of holiness. It's not a sign of my voice. It's not a sign of my power. It's not even my power. It's his power. But I would tell you that the most anointed of people are the people are people who pursue holiness, not power. Mm. See, sometimes we're pursuing power because we think that that's the answer. But the answer to effective gifts of the spirit, if we, I'm, I, I, I like talking about those things. But mm -hmm. if we're going to talk about that, the effectiveness of the gifts of the spirit comes from holiness, not from power. Right. Because holiness is power. Mm. We just don't look at it that way. Mm. Because we look at holiness as meekness. We look at holiness as, as being, um, as humility. We look, and it is, absolutely. But holiness empowers you. Yes. To discern, to say, to speak what others can't. Mm. Because guess what? The holiness that we have with God that we've pursued opens up the line immediately so that God can then give us discernment. The word can flow. That's why I know for a fact, and, and I'll share this with you guys and, and uh, you know, all of our, our listeners today. I know that it has to be holiness because I know who I am as a person, as a human being. I know where I lack. I know my, my weaknesses. I know that uh, I, I'm not, I, I want to be a better person. All of us should strive to be better, but it's not until I seek holiness or I can see God move in my life. It's not, and, and I don't, I'm, I'm all for Bible college. I'm all for training. I'm all for um, building others up. I'm all for mentorship, but it's not until holiness comes into play that things begin to shift, mm. that we start seeking deeper. That's why prayer is key. Amen. If we're going to mentor people, mentor them into prayer. Yes. If we're going to mentor people, let's mentor them into consecration. If we're going to mentor people, let's mentor them to, to, to reach the lost. Those are the things. If we're going to mentor people to preach, we, we've just missed it. If we're going to mentor people to be a worship leader, with all due respect to all of these folks that I'm mentioning, like, we're going to miss it. We're really going to miss it. Holiness is more than that. Holiness is true separation, even from myself, because I can be my biggest detriment and biggest mm. downfall. And if I don't stop myself from considering myself to be greater than what I really am, because we do that sometimes, right? The platform we sit on, the, the people we're around, sometimes will boost us to a point where we feel like I'm operating on my own now. When that happens, holiness is gone. And we're operating on human strength and logic. Mm -hmm. And we will fail miserably each and every time that yes. happens. Yes. And I think that's what Jesus was really trying to get to in the Gospels. You know, when they had the whole issue of, of eating the unclean food, right? And Jesus told them, it's not what goes into the man that defiles him, 
but what comes out of him that defiles him. And just thinking about what Second Peter says, it's one of my favorite scriptures. It says, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to your virtue knowledge. I think one of the issues, going back to legalism a little bit, a lot of times people think of holiness as a checklist, right? And they do the checklist, right? They have the faith, they have the virtue, but they don't have the knowledge. So it becomes into a behavior modification that they do. Um, as an example, a, a, a young person can be following what is our so-called holiness standards, right? And to them, it's torture, right? Because there's, why, why am I doing this? Why do I dress this way? Why do, why do I speak this way? And so they, they get to that point where they're having regulation versus revelation. How important is that to have that knowledge, that revelation of holiness in our lives? It's probably the most important thing. Because regulation um, will bring an excessive conformity to, I would say, legal code within the context of church. And if we don't have true revelation, the regulation will guide us, will lead us, but it's actually going to hurt us Mm -hmm. in the end, right? Because I'd rather have revelation... Okay, I'll put it this way. There's a quote that says that rules without relationship bring chaos, Hmm. right? And so if we're really solely standing on rules, at some point we will find ourselves in chaos, right? But if we're depending on our relationship with God, then what seems to be... um, not chaotic, but maybe out of order, God will then bring into order because of the relationship. God's always been more interested in relationship than anything else. Amen. I remember when the when the woman, I think it's the book of Luke, uh, she was hunched over. She was ill, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And she goes to the temple where Jesus was teaching. And he saw her faith. He He didn't, she didn't go close to him. She probably stayed in the back. Her, she was probably embarrassed even of her condition. But Jesus saw her in the crowd. But he saw her faith more than anything. And the Bible says that he calls her over. And as he calls her over, she straightens up. And one of the things that I'm more that, that I'm so like amazed by is that. He calls her over not because he couldn't heal her from where he was. He calls her over because he puts his hand on her. Because he's more interested in relationship than he is in the gifts. Mm. I mean, look at that. Like, it's kind of like babies, right? Babies do not understand the words I love you. Babies do not understand, um, you know, get over here. They understand touch. Baby's language is touch. And so if you caress a baby, they know they're loved. If you embrace a baby tenderly, they know they're loved. Um, So touch is important. And so the relationship that, that we have with God has so much more to do than the regulations that we might consider to have. Because we might have regulations and not have God. Yeah. 
We might have rules and not have his presence. We might have guidelines and not even know where the line is, right? And so when we really look at God, God is more interested in a relationship with us than he is our rules. Now, if you're in relationship with God, the rules come naturally. Yes. Right? You know not to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, we were just, I was just talking to somebody recently about um, wine, actually drinking. Mm. I was like, okay, that's an easy one for me, right? Because to me, it's like, that's a no-no. I don't care what anybody says. Right. A little bit of wine is going to hurt. That's what, what they were saying to me. I said, what? Okay, maybe not, right? Maybe not to you, but to the person next to you. They never probably thought that their first drink of wine, their first beer was going to make them an alcoholic. They never considered that thought. Mm. That a, a social drink of a beer in high school, that, that person probably never thought that they would then become an alcoholic, mm. right? And so when we look at rules, rules are important. Regulations are important, but they will never be effective until we have a relationship. Yes. Right? I mean, that's how I look at things. I do what I do because I know who God is. Yeah. I don't do what I do so that, let me, let me, let me put it this way. Holiness cannot be achieved by good works. Yes. It just will never be achieved that way because good works at, to some degree are check marks. They're, they're, you know, we're checking off a box, right? I do good works because he did the best work. Mm-hmm. I do it because of what he did for me. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm responding. I'm reciprocating what he did. And that's how holiness works. I'm holy because he's holy. Yes. Yeah, and, and that, that's a good point because in our, in our local church with my youth, I, I even bring up the, the term guardrails. Right when Paul says, uh, "Watch ye that you watch that you walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise," right? There is such an importance to uh, to not be looking for how close can I get to the line without falling over, right? In other words, you're saying how close can I get to sin without sinning? How important is it to have those maybe even practical holiness, those guardrails in our life, although they may not save us. Right, but they keep us from going over the edge. Well, they're necessary, right? I mean, you, you go to the zoo, right? Or, or you, they tell you, do not stick your hands in the rail. <laughs> There's a reason for it. Right. Because the elephant can come up and chew your hand off. No problem. The lion can do the same. So those guardrails are necessary. And, and anytime in the Bible, you will find that being in God is more important then, then let me put it this way. Having God in us isn't as important as us being in God. If mm. that makes sense. Yes. The reason why that's important is because that order is more important. Um, if, we, if we're looking just to get God in us, but we can't be in God, then there's a problem. Right? Because to be in God is those guardrails that you're talking about. Yeah. I'm protected in God. I'm safe in God. He, his, his jurisdiction in my, on, around my life protects me even from myself. Yeah. But a lot of times we're just seeking to get God in us. But are we in God? Because that's mm-hmm. true safety. That's true protection. And that's true anointing at that point. Mm-hmm. You're better off being in God than God being in you. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we need God in us. I, I, we can't deny that. 
But the, the starting point is for us to be in him. Right? That's why, I mean, clearly, if you look at Acts 2.38, mm. right? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive. You go into God and then he goes into you. Mm. That's mm. the order. Yeah. Because you can't have power. You can't have anointing without being in him. Yes. That's good. And I really want to go back to a point that you were mentioning. Relationship connects us to holiness. Even when you look at our society, we have laws for a reason. If we did not have laws, it would be complete chaos. People would go, you know, respectively speaking, maybe just hurting other people, killing other it's people. It's, it's, it's chaos. And even when you look at the Ten Commandments, maybe an outsider that wasn't in the covenant with God or wasn't an Israelite would say, wow, those are, those are a lot of rules or those are strict rules. But when you are an Israelite and you understand you shall love the Lord, your God with all your heart, it doesn't become a rule as much as God is keeping me, but it's my relationship with him. When there is a revelation, it will lead to a relationship and you will stop seeing not so much there are rules of holiness as much as there's a relationship and there's a reason that God is keeping me in and holiness actually keeps me in, not keeps me out. That's exactly right. Holiness keeps me in. And that, that is so key that you're saying that because we think holiness keeps us around. It keeps us relevant. Mm -hmm. That's not true. It keeps us in. Yes. It keeps us in the ark. It keeps us in the body. It keeps us even being part of the church, right? Because there are people in the church that aren't really church. Mm. I'm not talking about new people. I'm talking about people that have been in this for a long time, right? Back in my day, people would backslide. I'm talking about 20 years ago, 15 years ago. People would backslide and leave. People now backslide and stay. Mm. Wow. Right? And, and they're filling a seat. They're there, but they're not there for the right reasons. They're in the building, but they're not in the body. Mm. And so a lot of times that comes from the regulations without revelation. Yes. Right. And so I, I, there are folks that will, they'll look at things we do in church and they'll, they'll, they'll condemn us for it. Yet they're not really doing anything for God. Mm. Right a style, a way of doing things. Obviously, the message doesn't change. Methods change, obviously, in the church. But then we go back into that, like, legalism aspect of things, right? There are people that are so legalistic that they can't get beyond the fact of what we are doing as leaders and not God, right? When, when I say that, I mean people are more focused on what you and I are doing right now than what God is doing right now. And that's because they're outside now. And they're looking from the outside in instead of looking from the inside out. And when you're in God, instead of looking at people the way they do things, you look at people and say, let's bring them in. Mm -hmm. Right. Let, let's 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 have our prodigals come home. Let's get souls back into the church. And when you have a relationship and I've been I've been contemplating this because I'm, I'm going to start preaching something like this at my church in the new year. When you have a relationship with God and you have holiness in your life, and you, you live a life, you try to live a life of holiness, then your only goal is to love people into a relationship with God. 
That should be our goal as a church, that we would love people so much that their only desire is to have a relationship with God. Wow. Yeah. That they would want to live the life of holiness without us having to say, hey, here I am, I'm holy. We don't mm-hmm. have to, look, if you're holy, you don't, gotta, you don't have to say it. If you're humble, you don't have to say it. Yeah. Right? I mean, truly, I mean, I, I, I kind of chuckle every time somebody says, you know, I'm humbled. <laughs> but you're not really that humble if you have to say it. Like, oh, yeah. come on, you know. But it, it's it's a reality. It's truth now. Like, mm-hmm. y- our actions have to speak louder than our words. Yes. Holiness is something that we are. It's something that we live. It's something Your that lifestyle. we breathe. It's our lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It's not something that I do. I don't wake up and then turn on the holiness switch because I'm going to be around <laughs> the hermanos at church. Come on. You know, and then, you know, I turn it off when I'm about to go to the Dodger game. Mm. You know, like, and I'm a Dodgers fan for all of you listeners. <laughs> you know? You know, holiness is something that I am when I'm at my son's baseball game. Holiness yes. is something that I am when I'm when I'm at, at at the market. Holiness is what I am when I when I'm when I'm at Jack in the Box. That's that's holiness. I, I am that. I, I I can pray for people at Jack in the Box. I my wife and I we don't we don't eat without praying. We we bow our heads wherever we are, at, at, whether we're at a restaurant. The waitress ha- or the waiter have to wait because guess what? That is my relationship with God. That wherever I go, I exercise my holiness that's a that's a big factor that i don't think it's part of this right but we have to exercise holiness Mm. exercise it with our life not just with my ministry not just because we can exercise holiness with ministry Mm. right we carry ourselves in a way we fashion our lifestyle in a certain way in front of people but holiness is who i am even when i'm sleeping you know, I, I dream of God. I, 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 I talk with God, even in my dreams. I, I wake up thinking about God. My, my first act in the morning is prayer. Uh, I go to, I go, before I go to prayer, I, th- I say, thank you, God, for the day. I, I failed you today. I said things I shouldn't have said. I thought things I shouldn't have thought. I, I, I behaved in a way I shouldn't. Forgive me. I repent. And when you live that kind of a life, mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying I'm perfect. I, by no means, there's nobody that on this earth that walks perfectly but when you strive for it mm. god the doors that open yes the doors that open i mean and and, and i know you're about to take it and, 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 <laughs> and I, 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 let me share this last thing Sister Dasi, you and i were just at uh, in florida just yeah. a few months back and i can honestly tell you i was going to florida and i and i god forgive me for this but I, i'll be i'm just being transparent with you guys to me it's like it's just another camp Mm. it's just another camp god you're gonna have your way that's exactly what i was going i was flying we were flying out there yeah. we, were, we were on the same flight yeah right and i was just like it's just another camp got my mm-hmm. notes ready we're good to go i get to the camp and one of the pastors walks up to me and he says let the lord have his way mm. don't get in the way that, i mean i at first i kind of was like well, that's kind of rude. <laughs> like, you guys invited me and you're rude. That's what I thought, right? But then I was like, God, you're trying to tell me something. Yeah. And one of the nights, right before service, I walked in and I walked out. Mm-hmm. And I went back to my room. And I got on my knees. And bef- and I said, God, before I take take that pulpit tonight, I need to ask you for forgiveness. Because my humanity was taking over. And I thought that it was me. Mm. forgive me allow me to flow in your holiness and that night sister dossier i don't know if you remember this 
there was a young man standing right in front of the altar and the Lord gave me a revelatory word for his life. Mm. And I remember the Lord specifically told me, you've been in the lion's den and you've been going through some things and it's been hard. It's been difficult. And the Lord then shows me his name. I don't know if yes. you remember that. Do you remember that? That was crazy. The Lord shows me his name. I'm like, your name is Daniel. Mm. Mm. And he's and he just started bawling, right? And I'm like, oh man. Yeah. What in the world just happened? You know, like because uh-huh. I've seen others do that, but I've never done that. And all it really took is for me to get back on my knees. Wow. And 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 submit this flesh mm. that was being subdued by thoughts by ideas by a hierarchical mechanism i suppose i thought it's about me i got invited to this camp god forgive us for even thinking that ever right because holiness has to be humble humility drives yes holiness wow that's so powerful and in that same camp i remember when we were traveling back remember when i had mentioned to you that there was this portion of scripture that I had read in the book of Malachi that these Levite priests lived in such a way that it caused people to repent and turn of their sins. And I know this is so cliche. We hear it all the time that we may be the only Bible somebody else reads. But to some effect, there is truth to that. Our lifestyle, the life that we live. And the Lord pierced my heart. Uh, a few months ago when I was thinking about this, can you imagine if every day, because we're talking about holiness and the fear of God, we woke up and we prayed, God, may everything I do be filtered and driven through the fear of God. May my can, can you imagine if we lived our life with the fear of God driving everything? The fear of God drives my thoughts. The fear of God drives my actions. It drives my speech. It drives my conversations. How different, but also impactful and holiness would drive that entirety of who we are. Yeah. You know, that to me is is key. Fear. That word yes. fear, I think it's lost amongst us. Mm. Because there's so much, we talk about so much boldness. We have to be bold go and preach you know that's it's word of god absolutely there's no doubt about it but we've lost fear wow right and i'm not talking about fear of like i'm nervous to go in front of people Mm. i'm talking about fear that this is god's holy church reverence reverence i'm not talking to just like people at at a company I, i i'm not just doing a pep talk this isn't a huddle these are God's holy people that he saved, that he's washed with his blood. These are souls that can potentially get saved. So when I think now about that, like it's like there's a fear that comes in. Mm. I can't just speak on my own behalf. I can't just speak of what I think I know. I have to allow God. I remember years ago, a good friend of mine, he went up to the pulpit and he said, I will stand and you will hear my voice, but it's his word. And, when, and I, I try to apply that to my life now, going forward. I've been a pastor now almost 10 years. And I can honestly tell you that I, I, I've been in a season of, I believe, personal growth. Um, this alone time with God, this, 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 this personalized just time with the, with the Lord of consecration 
has really shifted my mindset as to what my purpose is. And my purpose, though there's a lot of things like mentorship, there's a lot of things like operating gifts and whatnot. I'd rather be in good standings with God and never operate a gift. Mm. I'd rather be in communion with him and hear his voice, feel his touch, know that he's leading and guiding than to even preach the word. Mm. And so to any of our young listeners today, if you study the word to preach, you missed it. If you, but if you study the word for self-edification, you're going to gain a relationship with yes. God. If you pray to check off a, a box and say, I pray an hour, but really there's no connection, then you just missed it. Our prayer has to be about God. And, and, I, I, and I know others are going to talk about prayer, but in your prayer, let God talk as well. Have dialogue. Because then how will you know what his holiness wants to say to you? Exactly. How will you hear the voice of God if you don't let the Lord speak? So I look at holiness, and, and I know we're probably coming to a close fairly soon, but I look at holiness, and it is independent. I can't rely on my pastor to be holy for me. I can't even, my, my mother was a woman of prayer. I can't depend on her prayer and her holiness to God to be what sustains me. I have to be the one to do my part so that I could seek after God and gain holiness for me. What there's a quote that what one generation does in moderation, the next one will do in excess. And if I strive for holiness with all of my being, then my desire, my prayer through that is that my children will gain holiness and will strive for their own to get holiness for themselves. Holiness isn't something that's just particular. Holiness is something that's inclusive for the people of God. We all have to seek it. Holiness is transformative. I think about Moses when he approached the burning bush. He had to take off his shoes because he was standing on holy ground. And this just came to me that even before the Lord was ready to speak and give instructions to Moses, he reminded him of his holy nature and character. Holiness connects us to the character of God. You cannot access God's face. You cannot access God's instruction, what he wants us to live in this lifestyle if holiness is not the doorway we walk through first. So you're standing on holy ground, take off your shoes. Now I'm ready to speak. Once you've understood that before you get to me, you get to holiness because holiness is the doorway to me, not around me. Yeah, you bring up Moses and, and some historians will teach that in the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, when Moses would take pen to paper to write the law, that every time he would do so, he would bathe. That's what some historians would teach, mm-hmm. that he would bathe because he, need to, he needed to find himself clean wow. before penning the word of God because of its holiness, mm-hmm. its power, its might because of whose word it is and i I look at that and to me it's like we fall short 
Wow. We fall short. I, I, I look at, I look at the Apostle Paul and who he was in his previous life and in the life that he then had in the Lord and the garments that he had to shed off to be a man of God. The encounter that he had that when the scales were on his eyes, the Lord had to blind him to the worldliness so that when the scales came off, his eyes were set on the master. And that that's transformative holiness at that point. It actually, it's, like, it's very practical if you really look at it, mm-hmm. how God would take something so evil, because that was evil. Saul yeah. of Tarsus was evil. Yeah. Somebody so evil and put scales on his eyes so that he wouldn't even see the transforming power of God in his life. Wow. Blind him to the worldliness of his own flesh and say, I'm going to change you and I'm going to send you a man to the house that you're sitting in that would then, by the words that he expresses to you, deliver you into holiness. Think about that because Ananias goes in and he says, brother. He doesn't say Saul. Right. He doesn't say, he says, brother. Mm. Ananias was sent by God to deliver him from worldliness to holiness. Mm-hmm. Instantly, he became a brother and not an enemy because mm-hmm. that's what God does with holiness. Mm-hmm. He transforms our evil ways and sets us on a path of holiness. And I look at, I look at God because I know, I know where I should be. Me, I, I speak from my own testimony, my own experience. Um, I didn't have a relationship with my father, my biological father, until most recently. And, I, and I'm going to close with this. These are my last remarks. I had an encounter with my, my biological father maybe about three years ago, during the pandemic, actually, three, four years ago, um, three years ago. And before that, I always said, I don't need this man in my life. But something said, start praying for him. All of a sudden, he reaches out. He finds me on social media. Mm. and He sends me a message and he says, I want to get to know you. I'm talking about like I'm 40 years old already. In my mind, I'm like, I don't need this man. Mm. Don't need him at all. And God says, just pray. That message sat there for about three to four months before I could even respond. I would start typing and I would back away. I would start typing, back away, delete, delete, go back. And I went into prayer. I said, God, what do I answer? And in that prayer, God said to me, he says, I've been your father this whole time and I'm not going to leave you. Mm-hmm. But this man needs me. Mm-hmm. And I remember with tears in my eyes, I began to respond. And, I, and as I responded to him, me, Alex Aguila, says, don't do it. Don't respond. Mm. But God in me says, hit send. Mm. Because of that, I've been able to pray for him. Because of that, I've been able to have dialogue and lead him to the Lord. Mm. Holiness will break you down to a point where you look more like God and less like the person that you were brought up to be. Humanly speaking. Mm. And when you start looking more like God, you will look at your enemies in the face and say, God loves you just like he's loved me. And though my father, he he forsook me, God never left me. Mm. 
God was always there. And so why do I strive for holiness? Why do I strive to, to seek after God more? Because he never left me. Even when my own father wasn't there, he, he, he lived his own life. He has his own family. He has other children. God never left. Amen. And I could feel, even in, in my life now, God's hand leading, God's hand being on my life. I'm not a perfect being, but I know who my God is. And I know that my relationship with him should only get stronger as time goes by because without it, I will totally fall apart. Mm-hmm. I am not I, I, I'm not self-sufficient. I can't be. But God's holiness sustains. God's holiness is the one that gives testimony. Yes. It's God's holiness, the one that gives me vision and foresight. And, and without it, without holiness, I'm no longer at peace. Mm-hmm. I could tell you here wholeheartedly, I am at peace. I love my wife. I love my children. I didn't have that example in my home. I didn't have siblings. I didn't have a father. But the Lord, because he is so good, has allowed me to be a husband, has allowed me to be a father, has now allowed me to be a pastor, has now allowed me to talk to all of you who are listening today. And I could tell you that God's holiness is so perfect that he would look at an imperfect vessel like myself and say, I'm going to use you. Just as long as you allow yourself to seek my presence. That's it. That's all God is seeking. That we would he that we would allow ourselves to seek him deeper. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Alex, for sharing those wonderful insights and I encourage any young person that is listening to this episode. Uh, if, if there's something that impacted you, you know, listen to it again, take notes. This will really impact your life and draw near to the Lord and he will draw near to you. Amen. We want to thank you all for uh, listening to this episode and please be on the lookout for our new episodes that are released every month. God bless you.